the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Portions of the Arthur Idala Power Hour, sponsored by Bay Ridge Honda. This hour of programming is pre-recorded. It's Arthur Idala on AM 970. The answer. This is the Arthur Idala Power Hour with quintessential New Yorker attorney Arthur Idala, New York's go-to lawyer. He's here to share his stories from in the courtroom and around the city with interviews from high-profile guests and everyday folks calling in to talk about everything from politics, lifestyle, health and wellness, and more. And now your host, making the case for the city he loves, attorney Arthur Idala. Monday, January 22nd, and uh, at the end of the show, I will tell you why it is such an important day in uh, the lives of the Idala slash Piazza family on a very, very personal note, but it's a very cool story. Um, I am here today with the lovely Joan Pelzer. Well, hello, Arthur Idala. Happy Monday, Joan. Did you survive the weekend? <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for the rest of the song. That, that is the rest of the song. Matt cuts me off. Hi, Matt. Hey. I did. I survived the weekend. I had the best weekend, Arthur. I took my two little nephews, six and 16 this month, to IHOP, and we had pancakes and waffles and all oh, that fun stuff. Wonderful. It was fantastic. How about you, Sambolino? You okay? I'm good. I took uh, Nora to Disney on Ice at Barclays Center yesterday. That was oh. a lot of fun. Was that it good? So it was cool. great, but you know, this, every turn you make costs money. Those oh, things yeah. are a racket. Yes, I hope the kid. I, I hope she wasn't hungry or thirsty because it'll bankrupt. <laughs> exactly. So let's talk a little bit about what's going on here in the city of New York. And, you know, the big story, well, there's a lot of big stories. Sadly, a guy got slashed in the throat because, and you know, this could be me. Uh, it could be any of us, really. Some guy is urinating on a car on 14th Street on the east side of Manhattan. Guy says, hey, man, come on, don't do that. And uh, they get into a fight and the urinator um slashed and there's pictures online of the guy's stitches all along his neck. I mean, he's lucky he didn't cut his artery and and guy didn't die. Um I will tell you though, and I on a personal note, as you get a little older and Joan you you won't you can't appreciate this cuz you're a woman and <laughs> Sam Bellino, you're too young, but I think it's as the prostate gets a little bigger, there are times when it feels like your your teeth are floating in the back <laughs> of your and in, in your head. I mean, Sambolino, you, you know you know where I live. Like th- there have been times, and I will admit this on the radio, oh where I pull into my driveway and I don't make it into the house. <laughs> There's all kinds of trees and bushes and shrubs. It's, it's good to have shrubbery around. Uh, yeah, it's shrubbery. Yeah, and and forget about it. When I go out to the house in Long Island, you know, and sometimes you get in traffic and you know, I'm there two hours. Boom! As soon as I'm in my on my property, uh, you know. And then the funny part is, is my seven year old son. Uh, he now, you know, imitates dad. And of course, Marianne, my bride, really loves that, that, that Arthur's doing pee pee on the tree. <laughs> um, but 
But but but there's a big difference between doing pee pee on a tree and pee pee on 14th Street in the middle of Manhattan on somebody's car. And um, yeah, and this was like, also like five o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, and that I will tell you, you know what a champion I am of this city, and and we have Chief Chell on, we have Chief Kemper on, and and obviously the mayor, and we're always you know rah rah and. Uh, the city and, and the crime, and especially, thank God, the crime on the subways are going down. But so many of these crimes, you know, we assume they happen at 3 in the morning, 4 in the right. morning, 5 in the morning. Um, you know, Anthony Weiner texted me the other day. I forget whether he was listening to my show or I was listening to his show. And he said something about the m- most crimes happen between 3 and 5 p.m., because now, thank God, those are like the petty crimes because it's when the kids get out of school and they're riding the subway back and forth and they think it's you know funny to do silly things that are happen to be criminal. Um, but on that front, okay, um, there's this bill that um, the city council members have passed. The essence of it is that basically they want police officers to... Um, document more of their interactions with the public. That's the um, nicest way, well, the simplest way to put it. There are some details in there, and one of the city council members who I've spoken to says, Arthur, it's not as uh, burdening as you think it is. Of course, nobody's actually reading the bill, um, and they're just commenting on it. But the problem is, is that the, um, so they passed the bill, the, uh, City Council passed the bill. The mayor has vetoed it. Now, here's what the council speaker, Adrian Adams, says. She told the Post she will vote to override the veto. Quote, the false narrative that we cannot have transparency is bad for our city and belies the fact that accountability is vital to improving public safety by increasing trust. The cops wear these cameras on them. And for the majority of the time, those cameras are on. Yes, can they be manipulated? Can they be turned off? Technically, I believe the police is supposed to tell you when they're turning them off. But what the New York Post did a very cool job of, in my opinion, is they go through, um, uh, I, don't, I didn't count, but a, a lot, a lot of council members um, in alphabetical order. So Sean Abreu, he did not respond. Diana Ayala from the Bronx she said she will vote to override the VO. Quote, if all the grumbling and grinding of teeth is a sign, then the How Many Stops Act must have hit the bullseye, she wrote on Twitter. Um, Alexa Aviles says, without the data, the PD and anybody else can just hide, she said. So she's going to vote to override the veto. Um, Tiffany Caban did not respond. Um, many of them did not respond. Um, but like Gail Brewer, she didn't give an exact answer as to what she's going to do, but she said transparency is essential to improving public safety. Stops by police don't need to happen in secrecy. They really don't happen in secrecy. Um, again, the cops are wearing uh, these cameras, number one. Number two, if there's anything of substance, typically, I mean, look, I was in the DA's office in 93, 94, 95, 96, 97. There's a memo book, and typically the cops had to write down of anything of substance that happened. And this is, you know, before there was, like, I don't even know now if they type them into their smartphones. But um, they are two um, council members short of 
uh, upholding Eric Adams' veto. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that there is a lot of um, pressure on some of these... Um, some of these council members to step up. Let's see. Farrah Lewis from the 45th district in Brooklyn. That's Flatbush, Eat Flatbush, Flatbush, Midwood, Flatlands, and Marine Park. She declined to comment saying, that's interesting, declined to comment saying that, uh, thank you for reaching out. Unfortunately, our office is unable to comment on pending legislative matters that have not been added to the following the stated meeting agenda as of yet, which has not been released. So that was a, a, a duck. Um, you know, Rafael Saltamanca, he's from the Bronx. He is a council member who I've met with several times, and he's got a pretty good head on his shoulders. You know, what I've learned the hard way kind of is there's a lot of horse trading that goes on here, and the council speaker has a tremendous amount of power. Um, especially when it comes to budgetary matters. So, you know, and it's not bribery or anything like that, but she tells people, well, if you vote with me on this, you know, you'll get an extra X amount of dollars for your park on that, or I'll support you on this bill that affects the Senior Citizen Center um, in your district. So the the speaker actually has a tremendous amount of uh, power, in terms of negotiating or I hate to use the word manipulating, but that's really what it is in manipulating um, these council members. Look, nobody did it better than uh, Mayor Bloomberg and Christine Quinn when they were going to be term limited out and they got all the city council members together and said, hey, would you like to have an extra four years? You've already been here eight. You want another four? Vote for this special bill that extends just for this one time for no real reason extends ter- the term limits from eight years to 12 years. And they did that. And then it went back again to eight years. So uh, there's a lot of, you know, I, I don't know of a better word than horse trading. Um, and it usually has to do with delivering things for your community as a, as an elected official, as a council person. And I'm not talking about people getting bribes, but, um, I think, and depending on what district you're in, like if you're in Justin Brannon's district, which is my district, or other maybe more conservative-leaning districts, which like in Queens, like in Bayside, I think you're going to look like a hero if you support Eric Adams on this. It's interesting. Youssef Salam, so he was one of the Central Park guys who was accused or convicted, I should say, of rape back in the early 1990s and then was exonerated and now... He's been placed as the head of the criminal justice section or whatever they call it of the New York City Council. He told the Post he will vote to override the mayor's veto. So what a statement this is. The guy who now is in charge of the criminal committee is already saying that he's making a vote that ostensibly is against the police. When you talk to these council members, they say, no, we're not against the police. We just want to know more about what the police do. The way Arthur Idala or people in the law firm, you have to account for all six minutes of your time when you're billing hourly. Well, we want to know what the police officers are doing. We want to know who they're speaking with, etc. The flip side of the coin is you're taking up too much time from the, the valuable time from the police who, instead of writing down this couple who are this age, this gender, and this nationality asked me, how do I get to 42nd Street and 7th Avenue? Um, because I think under this bill, any, like, 
somewhat significant interaction between citizens and police need to be documented. Um, we're going to come back. I'm going to try to drag Diana Fabi Sampson in here to talk about horrible books in public school. Then we're going to have Lauren Fix, and then I'm going to tell you why January 22nd is such a special day in the Idala household. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Wish there was an easier way to navigate the world of real estate. If only there was a way to learn from the best. Well, now there is. Saturdays at 10, our very own Dottie Herman, Vice Chair of Douglas Elliman, gives you the inside track to what is hot in real estate. Stay one step ahead in today's seller's market as Dottie gives her tips on how to make it through the tricky waters. Doesn't matter if you're new to the game or a seasoned vet. You need to listen to Eye on Real Estate. Dottie and her team of experts will guide you as sellers and buyers to make sure you're getting the best value for your property. Whether you want to become a real estate agent or work within the business, there is no better person to learn from than the great Dottie Herman. Why? Because she is the best. Period. <laughs> so tune in. Eye on Real Estate. Saturdays at 10 on AM 970, The Answer. That's I on Real Estate, Saturday mornings at 10 o'clock on AM 970, The Answer. Hi, it's Arthur Idala here to talk to you about Bay Ridge Honda, run by the fantastic Sabah family. The Sabah family that I have known since my dad walked in there in 1980 and bought a Honda Accord for my grandfather. My sister's gotten cars there. My brother-in-law has gotten cars there. And you know why? Because the Sabah family makes you feel like you're part of their family. Bay Ridge Honda has New Year's deals. You know, we all make New Year's resolutions. Quit smoking, get more sleep, drink less. How about a New Year's resolution of a new car? At Bay Ridge Honda, they have brand new 2024 Hondas under MSRP, and they're offering lease loyalty bonuses. Finance rates are available. No payments until March of 2024. Best prices around. They will offer you top dollar for your trade-in. So visit the Sabah family at Bay Ridge Honda, 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. This is Joe Piscopo. The following is a medical minute sponsored by my friends at InfuCare RX, a leading specialty infusion pharmacy provider for patients with complex conditions. InfuCareRx.com. Here is Dr. Tina Zeka, Allergy and Asthma Associates of Monmouth County, with this week's medical minute. Treatment options for primary immunodeficiency can vary. The most common treatment usually involves the use of intravenous or subcutaneous immunoglobulin replacement therapy, antibiotic prophylaxis, and immune modulation or suppression. Patients should be evaluated by a board-certified immunologist. It is very important that the correct diagnosis is made and treatment should be started as soon as possible. This Medical Minute is sponsored by InfuCareRx, and the information, comments, or views expressed by the guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of InfuCareRx. Please consult your medical professional for any medical questions, opinions, or guidance. Let's talk about Connors and Sullivan. We all know that planning for the future is important. Are you and your family protected? If you're not around to make the decisions, who will? 
Are your assets protected from probate and nursing home costs? The time to plan is now. Correct. On my birthday, on your birthday, the soon as possible, that's the way to go. You may need a will, a trust, a power of attorney, a health care proxy, a living will, an estate plan. The goal of Connors & Sullivan attorneys is always the protection of your rights and interests. They've been helping people like you plan their estates and protect their families for over 40 years. So visit them for a free, no-obligation consultation. Call Connors & Sullivan today to schedule a free in-person initial consultation with an attorney at any of their convenient locations in Brooklyn, Manhattan, Queens, and Staten Island. Call 718-238-6500. That's 718-238-6500. Or visit their website, connorsandsullivan.com. And remember what Mike Connor says, the biggest mistake when it comes to estate planning is not planning at all. Listen to AM 970, The Answer on Alexa. Tune in, iHeart, or odyssey.com. In excess on a Monday night here on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. I'm Arthur Idala, joined by Joan Pelzer and Matthew Sambolino. And we're listening to In Excess because Michael Hutchinson, this is, uh, he would have been, let's see, it's 64. He died in 1997 at the age of 37. Um, I was a big In Excess guy back in the college and high school and college days. Uh, yeah, I, I saw them in concert a couple of times. It's also Bill Bixby. Bill Bixby was a childhood, like he was a big part of my life um, as an actor. First for the courtship of Eddie's father. And those of you who are old enough to remember that, it was a, um, a show about um, a dad who was raising a little boy without his mom. And he had a, a housekeeper, a man, Mr. French, I believe his name was. And I remember it very well. Um, and it was a very poignant, um, sweet, very poignant and sweet show that I remember I enjoyed watching because luckily for me, that was a foreign concept, not having a mom around and watching a little boy being raised without a mom and watching how sweet his father was. But then Bill Bixby wasn't so sweet when he was the Incredible Hulk, quote unquote, don't make me mad. You wouldn't like me if I'm mad. No, he wasn't. He was sweet. Wait. No, he was sweet. What do you mean? He was sweet. He played the doctor. The Hulk was Lou Ferrigno. Well, I, yeah, I, Come on. You know what? When Joan, he wasn't the alter ego. Sambolino, I hate to admit it, but when Joan is right, Joan is right. She's oh, right. Oh, oh, oh. It's yep. like Fonzie. Doc, r- 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 doc, yeah, 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 right. Doc, doc. <laughs> All right. And you know, Sambolino, you have it as David Banner, but I'm pretty sure it's Doc Bruce Banner. I remember the song, Doc hmm. Bruce Banner, Ooh. delted by gamma rays, turned into the Hulk. Anyway. Uh, yeah, Robert he, Bruce Banner, PhD, otherwise known as the Hulk. Thank you. Ooh, Sambolino's wrong? <laughs> no, don't <gasps> listen. Sambolino's oh never wrong. He's the one with the turntable and the switches. <laughs> All right, so anyway, Bruce, Bruce, Bill Bixby would have been 90 years old today, so happy birthday, Eddie's father. So speaking of fathers and mothers, um, our good friend Megan Kelly um, – Put out a little tweet, one of those X things. I don't know what you call them anymore. Uh, I believe it was yesterday. Quote, this is what Megan wrote. This idiot actually wanted to know what expertise at Fort Tiffany Justice has to object to minors in school reading about, I'm not even going to say this, about like sex toys and incestual pedophilia. Um, she used a little more harsh words, but and those are the words that are actually in the book. So I was like, you know, who can we get to talk, uh, you know, from a mother's point of view about this? 
So I um I said, well, let me ask about Diana Fabi, who is going to say hello. Hi, Diana. Hi, Arthur. Um, you're a mother of four, for the record, correct? I am. I also have common sense. Oh, <laughs> I don't think I need to be a mother to field these questions. Okay, can you can you just give the listening audience just a little context about you know you you watch this video of Joy Reid, the MSNBC anchor, speaking to Tiffany Justice, who is I forget the name of her organization co-founder of moms for moms for liberty and basically the essence of it is moms for liberty think that certain books are not appropriate to be in public school libraries is that correct right correct and and so i mean it's it's interesting because the left has really co-opted this issue and used this um charged language book banning you know that 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 causes people to think of you know actual um, valuable materials from the past that have been uh, kept from children. But this is a situation where we're talking about um, you know, stuff that's been, you know, published a few minutes ago that's in line with this new indoctrination of young children into a lot of inappropriate information that's, um, that's not age appropriate, that has no place in the schools. And this is not about banning. People can go get these books elsewhere if they really want their young children to be exposed to pornography and, you know, and, you know, well, this they, they want to teach their 12 year olds about different sexual positions, whether heterosexual or homosexual, if they want to teach their children all kinds of things that I, for one, and most parents, I think, would rather not have their children learn about at the tender ages of 12 and 13, 9 or 10, 14, where they, you know, at a time when they should be at school learning to read, write and Math, you know, I mean, they should be learning history and civics, and these are the things they're in school to learn about. And the thing is that young, you know, we all know that young children is certainly as they begin to hit adolescence, but even before that, they have, you know, the first is sort of scatological. They're interested in, you know, they're interested in body parts and they're easily embarrassed. And then as they hit adolescence, it's more a prurient interest in anything body parts slash sexually related. Do we really want to be promoting this sort of thing in the schools? There's really no need. It's not, it's, it's really a part of an agenda here by a certain segment of society that's being pushed through and parents, not surprisingly, are pushing back and saying, you know what? It's not appropriate for school libraries for these children at this time. That's all they're saying. Well, this, and, the, and I think most know, people agree. And that's the crazy part. Most people agree. Do you know what the book was called? All Boys Aren't Blue. And it's a very, I think it's a sad story. This was the particular uh, book on this uh, show, on uh, the Joy Reid show. And it's, I believe it's about a boy who was um, sodomized um, by a, a family member. And when he's underage, so it's like sodomy, incest, pedophilia, all in one book. And Moms for Justice are saying, why do we need this book in this school at this time? And Joy Reid say, well, there, there may be kids who, I forget what word she used, but like identify with it. And the Moms for Justice said, if there are kids who identify 
with being underage and being sexually molested by a family member, we need to do a lot more than just put a book on the shelf. We need to get these people, this kid, you know, a lot of help and put somebody else in jail. But, um, I really, I mean, I, you know what, I, I can't really speak to that directly because I don't know, you know, was this a middle school? Was this a high school? You know, was this, you know, well, what I, is I, don't, the age? I don't really know enough about, I haven't read the book, but, but it's interesting because we all know that these libraries are, you know, they are brick and mortar libraries. They're a certain uh, size. They take, they have a certain number of books. And one wonders if this book is really, you know, a good choice amongst the the bookshelves in this library and you know i i just i i have my doubts i mean i i don't know when the book was published or i mean there are a lot of books these kids they could be reading a tree grows in brooklyn they could be reading a lot of they could be reading classics you know i mean we're this is an educational institution it and unfortunately you know we're we're experimenting on children with these this new genre of books some of them you well, know what about what about illustrations people, i mean they're okay so how would you answer if if i'm joy reed and i would say well diana the classics depict white people in a certain way and black people in a very different way they depict um you know only heterosexual people there's no homosexuality in the classics that are outward so how do we bring the classics how do we bring the classics into the modern era where things have changed significantly from the time of Chaucer? Well, I mean, okay. First of all, we're talking about, I mean, what kind of library are we talking about? The, here? It's like with the library in the mean, public is this school. a high school library? Yeah, let's just say it's a high school library. Okay. So now um, you got ninth graders who are how old? 13, 14? So let's say you got a high school kid. 13, like, 14, that would be middle school, I think, right? 13, I middle school? I don't know. School. No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't even know how to speak to that. This is, okay, this is like we're talking about now diversity in the library. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're looking yeah. for That's good literature. About. Well, that didn't they just ban Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer or one of them for using harsh language? I mean, there was a time they didn't want that those books in the in the in the in the in the libraries because of some of the language that is now, you know, considered not appropriate. Um, but look, that's not an excuse to put trash in the libraries. And this, and that's what this is. This is trash. Sorry. It's, oh, it's just well, clearly what if, what, trash. Okay. And you would know, you know what the funny part is? And I really haven't following that, follow this that closely, but here, you know, I've seen PTO meetings where parents have gone, you know, on television, they've gone to say, to have, to, to, to voice their objection to certain books and they've tried to put, pages of the books up on a screen and they've been told they can't put them up because they're pornographic they're not appropriate so these very people who are saying these books are okay for these uh, these public school libraries are saying they're not okay for a pto meeting i mean this is what we're talking about okay so on this segment to be fair joy reed uh did present the tiffany justice moms for justice with an opt-out form and said that they were going to send this form home to the parents and say, if you do not want your children oh, that's to, ridiculous, to have right? access that's to this so book. so ridiculous. Okay, just tell me why, why? Counselor. Why because is it ridiculous? You, you, if you're going to put pornographic materials and just this kind of inappropriate stuff in the school libraries, the kids are going to be tittering around, grabbing the book, sharing it. It's going to be what they talk about. Because when I was in, I remember when this I was is in Joan grade Pelzer, school. For those of you just tuning in, she's <laughs> in case the they don't producer know. of the show. When I was in grade school, and there was a book that everyone wanted access to, that maybe a parent said you can't have it. Like maybe, are you 
Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, or one of those types of young author type books, young audience books, we wanted it no matter what because we were curious. Most of all, we didn't necessarily know what we were so about to read. So it's like the read. forbidden fruit? It is like words. a forbidden fruit. Yes, Diana's right. If it's, you know, I don't know what this book is about that they are talking about banning, but my thought is, yes, you will want to read it if you're told you can't read it. Right. You think that's this the fact? A, this is a library. It should have educational material. But hold on. That, okay. Yeah, I'm going to play that. I agree I, with listen, Arthur because I not all the Jones, old books I'm, I'm gonna play are Devil's educational. But you know what? There are things in older books that maybe aren't as accurate accurate or, or not as politically correct today as they were when they were written. But are they being banned? Now we're, yes, look, no, we're, maybe. I'm I not read? saying this should be banned. I'm not agree because I don't know what this book is. I'd want to read well, it before I decide. I'm telling you what it is, or at least what Did Joy Reid said. What Joy Reid said, it's about a young man who was sodomized by a family member when he was underage. So it's got sex assault it's got pedophilia and it's got incest all and in it's one got book. Sex toys. Excuse me. And it has sex. And toys it has sex it. toys. That I would not want my young nieces and nephews reading. Diana. I mean, I, I haven't seen the book, but yeah, I don't think. And I, I, again, I don't know. I can't imagine that this book. It should be occupying, you know, valued well, space jo- well, in Joy, an educational library. As I said, just so we're, we're clear, we're giving both sides here. What Joy reads. Uh, I guess defense was was two things. Number one, there may be kids who this book may be a little drastic, but there may be kids who want to see a book having to do with having two dads or having to do with two moms or things along those lines that the Moms for Justice may or may not be against. And where do we draw this line of which books are like Diana? Who decides right. which who books decides? are appropriate and which books are not appropriate? I was going to go back to the time of that movie Footloose, where every book was banned. Look, the the state. That's right. And here's the thing: the state, of course, has an interest in protecting children from inappropriate material. Who determines appropriateness? I think the parents, for sure, should have an input. I mean, schools are run locally, and parents locally should have an input in what's what's being taught in their schools and what is in their libraries. Look, these teachers and these administrators, they come from departments of education that have gone off the map on the left, okay? They need to have some correction. Okay. There needs to be a dialogue. Okay. That's what, so we that, have, there look, needs we to have, be a dialogue. We have one minute left. I want to ask you two quick questions in a minute. Do And I know I'm totally putting you on the spot, and I'm going to apologize. Since we're lawyers, you and I, are there... Any laws dictating this or controlling this? In other words, if Moms for Justice wanted to bring a lawsuit saying these, you know, this book is inappropriate to be in a public school library, do they have a leg to stand on? I know I'm asking you not, you know, you haven't done any legal research, but what do you think? Off the I mean, top of I your think head? I think they're fighting in the in their um, in their school board meetings is is their leg to stand on. They can fight in the school board meetings, but whose I, final I decision think- is it really? Well, I guess it's the principal, whoever. Majority or not. All right, I got thirty seconds, Diane. I want to give you the last word. Okay, I mean, I th- I think that, that this is the low hanging fruit because I actually think if we had the books in front of us, ninety five percent of people would agree on what would be appropriate for for a particular library of a middle school and elementary. I really think so. The the the, the other issue, the less low hanging fruit, is the way they're stocking these these, these school libraries with left wing agenda items like. Ibram Kendi, you know, uh, 
uh, on on uh, what is it? What is it to be a racist? Or um, I forget is the name of his book. But they're putting that in the library. But they're not putting, say, John McWhorter's book, "Woke Racism," which is the answer to that book. They're 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 stocking these libraries with a a very left wing agenda, and they are not putting the opposing viewpoint in the libraries. That is rampant. That is rampant in all the schools. And it's, it, I think it's scary. I think the most important thing for young adult learners is to hear, to, to read everything. But I mean, the, the, I'm not talking about this inappropriate sexual content stuff. You know, that's, that's an age appropriate issue. That's a different issue. I, I also do think it's, um, time wise. Like it's JD Salinger's Catcher in the Rye at one point was banned. You know, there's always a time period when certain things, and maybe in 10, 15, 20 years, this book might be nothing compared to what's out there I, then. I, I, you know. I, I understand your point, Joe, but this is a pretty harsh book. No, um, go ahead. That is a great point, Joan, because the test of time actually does help to determine, to separate the wheat from the chaff. It really does. The wheat from the chaff. It does. Charlotte's okay. Web because was banned Because that's how things become classics. Yeah. They stand the test of time. Sambalino, I have These lost total have control here. Been, you know, what is Sambalino the press Sambalino. they're in the libraries for these okay. kids. I want Sambalino thinks Sambalino he's telling me we got a break. He's telling me we got a break. Social experiment. But this is Who, what it is. I, what, the kids have become social experiments? Yes, the kids are guinea pigs today, and it's 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 heartbreaking. Well, with, with that being said, you know what I learned yesterday at the pet store? I'm serious. What? Uh-oh, are you getting a dog? No, because of COVID, guinea pigs, you, you, pet stores in New York cannot sell guinea pigs anymore as pets. Why? Because so many people bought them during COVID, and they bought them in pets. And yes. they bred, and there's too many guinea pigs, and they just are, they're bringing them to the ASPCA or the North Shore Animal League. Oh so my. you cannot buy a guinea pig anymore. Wow. But I want to thank you, Diana Fabi Sampson yes. and Joni Pelzer, for an excellent spirited conversation. Bye. All right, folks, we're going to go from talking about cops in the city council to books in public schools. I want to talk about this cold weather and how it has affected electric cars and the batteries in electric cars and the fact that these charging stations for the electric cars don't seem to be working too well in these sub-zero temperatures. So don't go away. We'll be right back on the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Hey, it's Joe Piscopo. I'd like to introduce you to the premier business in the investigative and security field in the United States today, Brosnan Risk Consultants, founded by my friend Pat Brosnan, decorated, retired NYPD detective. You must be diligent in protecting the business you worked so hard to grow, family you cherish, and the lifestyle you've achieved. Luckily, there is Brosnan Risk consultants to keep your business healthy, keep your family safe, and identify the approaching rising tide of danger and loss well before it destroys what you have built. Brosnan Risk Consultants have been protecting clients for over 25 years, operational in 45 states and over 500 cities. Don't settle for second best. Brosnan is the gold standard in investigative and security services. Call now, 800-590-2180, or go online to Brosnan Risk dot com b r o s n a n risk dot com 
Hi, it's Arthur Idala. Fastec Industries helps with all of your construction, demolition, and your weekly waste removal needs. They have roll-off containers from 10 to 40 yards, perfect for house, attic, and garage cleanouts, or construction and demolition debris. Fastec specializes in the removal and recycling of dirt, rock, concrete, brick, and asphalt in all five boroughs, every corner of New Jersey, and now serving Westchester County. Fastec is the number one supplier of recycled products, the number one wholesaler of virgin quarry materials and the number one provider of roll-off containers call Fastec today ask for joe c at 718-494-1600 that's 718-494-1600 mention this ad for 25 dollars off your next roll-off container rental go online to f-a-z-t-e-c-i-n-d.com for more information Fastec industries is now serving westchester county Fastec industries is a defazio company Hi, this is Judge Kamins, a partner at Idala Bertuna and Kamins, and where Arthur Idala of the Arthur Idala Power Hour works at his 24-7 day job. In 2014, I retired from the bench to join ABK, which is a full-service, preeminent boutique firm that has been helping New Yorkers when legal problems arise. ABK is uniquely qualified to assist New Yorkers who have a wide range of legal problems, from personal injury claims and civil litigation to criminal defense and trusts and estates. I personally work on appellate matters, attorney disciplinary matters, and complex legal issues with a dedicated group of attorneys who provide a team approach to each case. There is no legal problem too big or small for this talented and hardworking legal team. So when you think of the Idala Power Hour, also keep in mind ABK, the power legal firm. Hi, it's Arthur Idala. It's a new year and time for new resolutions. I'm sure you've already made yours. Going to the gym, spending more time with family, you know how it goes. But is there someone in your life that should really make a resolution for an upgrade to a new career? Why not tell them about court reporting? It's a career with tremendous opportunity and flexibility. They can work in courts. They can work in schools. They can even work from home. They work as much or as little as they want, and their earning potential is fantastic. The National Court Reporters Association says there are 5,000 openings for court reporters and not enough reporters to fill them. The NCRA is offering this free program called A to Z where participants are introduced to stenography and court reporting and sessions are being hosted right here in New York City. Plaza College in Forest Hills, Queens is the only school in the city with a court reporting program. So sign up today by emailing info at plazacollege.edu That's info at plaza P-L-A-Z-A college.edu Listen to us online at am970theanswer.com. Tune in, iHeart, Alexa, or odyssey.com. We return now with lifetime New Yorker and legal analyst, attorney Arthur Idala and the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Riding along in my automobile, my baby beside me at the wheel. I stole a kiss at the turn of a mile, my curiosity running wild. Cruising and playing the radio. Oh, what do we got here, San Bellino? Oh, Chuck Berry. Love it. Any particular reason? You just figure that, oh, I know why. Wait, let me guess. Let me guess. We have a guest that we haven't spoken to in a little while, and I'm going to play me today's segment in particular with her. I'm going to call it the I Told You So segment because um, 
I know Lauren Fix for a long time now. I mean, it's relatively speaking, but let's put it this way. Her daughter wasn't even engaged yet, let alone married, let alone a mom, let alone Lauren being a grandmother. And uh, so when I got this show exactly two years ago, I look, anyone who knows me for five minutes knows I love cars, especially old cars. But I, you know, I, I think I've told the story before when I was in law school and like my first year, my first semester, my parents came and took me and, and it was my mom, my dad, me and my girlfriend at the time. And my father goes, you must be reading a lot. And my girlfriend goes, oh yeah, he read, and she's serious. She wasn't even trying to you know, give me a hard time. She's oh, he's reading all the time. He goes, road and track, car and driver, automobile magazine. And my father flares his nostrils and grinds his teeth. He looks at he's, that's what you're reading? I was like, what that? That's in between reading, you know, Marbury versus Madison and all those big cases. So I had Lauren Fix come on, and anyone who knows, like Mr. Bitter, who listens to on a regular basis, knows that she, although she appreciates the electric vehicle, it's not like, it's, that's not her sweet spot. Um, so without further ado, to gloat a little bit, the one and only Lauren Fix. Hello, you're so funny, Arthur. <laughs> well, what's going on with this freezing weather and these electric cars, Lauren? What's going on with the freezing weather with the Teslas? Oh, I won't say I told you so, because it always makes people ticked off when you say that. So I have a couple breaking pieces of information for you. One, we talked about the cold weather and how it impacts battery life, and you lose about 30 to 40%. People that own electric vehicles should be aware of that. But it was so cold in Michigan and Chicago and Philly and Boston, New York, that people were getting so ticked they went to the charging stations, and they, the charger was literally unable to transfer the energy from the station to the car, and, of course, the battery was cold. And so people would sit in their cars for hours and only get, like, 20% charged, so, and some wouldn't get a charge at all, so people were just leaving their cars. They're like, I'm done. I'm done. And they walked away, and they're basically leaving, abandoning their cars. And it got to be so bad that some of the parking lots, they had to get tow trucks and flatbeds to drag these cars out of there because people were, you know, couldn't even get through the lot. So, you know, that it is a huge issue. And then on top of that, at the same exact time, like timing couldn't be any worse, Hertz says, we're going to turn in 25% of our electric fleet, which included Tesla, because because we're not renting them. People don't want them. they got to bring them back with a full charge, and sometimes you can't find a charger. You get to one that doesn't work. It's, it's inconvenient. People don't want to sit around, especially if you're on vacation. So they haven't had good luck renting them. And then on Friday, something came out that I don't even know if you saw it. I sent it to you, but I know you're busy. It seems as though the Department of Energy buried in one of their papers, I guess it would be the Federal Registry, um, like, I forgot the page number, it's, it's so deep into it, it's like 36,922 and journal number 65, it says that electric vehicles are allowed to take whatever their fuel economy ranges, in this case it's not fuel, it's... Right, it's, whatever their battery economy equip, is. right. They were allowed to multiply it by 6.67. So if you had a 2022 Tesla Model Y, it would get equivalent to 65 miles per gallon. And that would go, okay, that's like a Prius. Okay, I get it. And you can process that and make a decision. But on the window sticker, it says it's good for 430 miles per gallon equivalent. So it confused people. And people bought cars thinking they were getting all this range that they weren't getting. 
So there might be some lawsuits coming down the pike for people that bought electric cars that felt they were cheated either by the brand or by the government. So no more Camp Lejeune uh, infomercials. You'll be saying, did you buy an electric car? Contact fill in the blank law. Well, Joan, Joan Pelz has sh- shown me this really cool picture. It's a picture of the Tesla on the side of the road with a, a, a gas-powered generator next to it, <laughs> I guess, using a, the gas power to power it to, to keep it going. So... Um, I, and, and my dad brought this up to me also this week. He goes, did you read all this stuff about the electric cars? Look, um, the way I look at it, and I think you're, you look at it the same way, and I probably got it through you from osmosis. Electric <laughs> vehicles may have a, a, a place in, the, in this world, but it's, in my opinion, and I think you'll agree with me, it's kind of like a second place in this world. It's the second vehicle. Um, and, third. I mean, people want to, if you go back and forth to work, you're only going, you know, 10, 15 miles, it's no big deal. You run a couple errands, all is good. But if you're thinking you're going to use this as your only vehicle cross-country, forget it. It doesn't work. The charging infrastructure is not there. It's never going to be. And I've talked to electricians who actually work on the grid. I mean, these are the the guys. And so the grid hasn't been updated over 100 years. It would take 50 years just to get close to upgrading part of it. He said, so with that thought in mind, he goes, there's not a chance the grid can support even 10% of the cars on the road being electric. But the federal government didn't see it that way, and they were really pushing hard. So whoever the next president may be, and I couldn't tell you who that is, that could all change. That could all go away. And car manufacturers such as Ford have already reduced their line for their lightning truck down to one shift. And I think they're going to run that shift really slowly because there's vehicles sitting on lots. I'm not going to bad trucks. If you want an electric truck, it's an awesome truck. But well, that 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 Ford F one fifty that Ford F one fifty truck looks like I mean just the design of it and the style of it looks pretty cool. Um, before I lose you, Lauren, tell me what what else are you're allowed to tell me that you've been driving or checking out as of late that's coming out into our showrooms. I am sitting in a brand new twenty twenty four Lexus GX. This is a mid sized luxury three row. I can tell you everything about it except for the drive impressions because I haven't driven it yet because we just got into them a few minutes ago, but also we we're embargoed. But there's the new overtrail project, so they brought it to life so this vehicle has an overtrail trim level at a premium or a luxury. So we're going to be doing some off-road driving, and on February 1st we'll show you the video and give you drive impressions. But I'll tell you, this 14-inch center screen's impressive. Everything about this vehicle if you've ever thought about a Lexus GX before, you need to see the new ones. They're not in dealers yet. They're coming soon. You can look online. Uh, I did a preview walk around on my website, Car Coach Reports, but it's also on YouTube and Rumble and everything else. But I, I'm really impressed. And this has got a lot of attention. So as soon as I posted on Facebook, I was coming here. I had four people text me going, oh, I got questions. I'm like, I haven't even got there yet. <laughs> uh, I mean, Lexus is just, they, they got their act together. Lexus is Toyota for people who don't know. Um, I have two minutes left. What percentage would you say, because you say you're taking it off-road, of all these people who have these SUVs, these Mercedes G-Wagons driving down Madison Avenue, Manhattan, what percentage do you say take them off-road? More or less than 1%? A lot less than 1%. Um, (laughs) Most people, like, off-road is I had to drive around the dirt in the parking lot to get around another vehicle. Well, there was three three inches of snow in Brooklyn. But the truth is there's like a G-Wagon, super capable. Every single one is hand-tested up the top of a mountain in Austria. I mean, these are really serious off-road vehicles, and we've driven them and done some amazing things with them. Also, like a Land Rover, same kind of thing. People don't do that. They drive them as status symbols. 
It's like wearing a Rolex watch. Is I, it kind of better than anything else? No, but it looks good. You know? I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, as I let you go, Lauren, I've been on the searching high and low for a second-generation Honda Prelude, and I thought they'd be everywhere. And the auto, the manual ones that have like less than a hundred thousand miles on it, almost impossible to find. Yeah, I mean, and just so you know, today, just before we got on air to talk, uh, I just found out that Varum is out of business. They closed their doors. Who so is who? 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 Varum, V R O O M. You've seen the commercials. Oh yeah, Cardi. You and they'll buy cars. Totally gone. Done. They closed their doors today. So. That was a $5 billion project, and sadly, it, it went out of business. Timing wow. wasn't good on, on doing it with the used car market, but I would say look at Bring a Trailer. I would say look I at... Believe me, I'm all over it. I'm all over it. I'll keep right. looking. Lauren, thank you so I'll much for jumping on. You too. <laughs> all right, thank you so much for jumping on. It's always a pleasure, and uh, I, I told you so. You don't have to say it. I, I told I you so. I said it. All right, folks, we're going to come right back. Don't go away. I want to tell you why January 22nd is such an important day in my life. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Joan Herman, host of Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life. Every Sunday night, some of the world's most inspirational and influential people join me to discuss health and wellness, professional development, and personal well-being. They share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Take time for yourself. Tune into Conversations with Joan every Sunday night at 10 p.m. right here on AM 970 The Answer. If you miss a show, be sure to visit our website so you can listen on demand, And while you're there, read our digital magazine and take part in our book club. Visit CYACYL.com. That's CYACYL.com. Hi, it's Arthur Idala here to talk to you about Bay Ridge Honda, run by the fantastic Sabah family. The Sabah family that I have known since my dad walked in there in 1980 and bought a Honda Accord for my grandfather. My sister's gotten cars there. My brother-in-law has gotten cars there. And you know why? Because the Sabah family makes you feel like you're part of their family. Bay Ridge Honda has New Year's deals. You know, we all make New Year's resolutions. Quit smoking, get more sleep, drink less. How about a New Year's resolution of a new car? At Bay Ridge Honda, they have brand new 2024 Hondas under MSRP, and they're offering lease loyalty bonuses. Finance rates are available. No payments until March of 2024. Best prices around. They will offer you top dollar for your trade-in. So visit the Sabah family at Bay Ridge Honda, 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. 4th Avenue and 88th Street in Brooklyn, New York, or online at BayRidgeHonda.com. Did you listen to our podcasts? Hear them now on our website at am970theanswer.com. People, let me tell you about my best friend. Oh, and he's that question, and he's bought Look at Tim Molino pulling it up. Oh, this puts a big smile on my friend. Well, on my face. Talking about a long time ago, this is Arthur Idala on the Idala Power Hour. Um, I really enjoyed today's show with um, Diana Fabi Samson and Joni Pelzer, as well as Lauren Fix talking about cars. Um, but January 22nd, 
is a huge day in my family, uh, my extended family as well, because on this date, uh, in 1960, my, apparently the weekend before uh, the January 22nd, my, my dad, who was in college at the time at Fordham University, he uh, where he was in the Bronx campus. He had to. He stayed home and he um, he had to study for tests. And so now the next weekend comes, and his buddy said, "You know, Lou, come on out. Let you know. Let's let's go uh, out and whatever, hang out." But Mike, any of you know my grandfather, Artie Idala, his dad was a big boxing judge, huge boxing judge, and I can say that because it's true. Um, and so my dad said, "No, no, guys, I want to stay home." And the it's the um, championship fight between Paul Pender and Sugar Ray Robinson. Sugar Ray Robinson, pound for pound, was the greatest boxer of all time by most, including my grandfather. I remember asking him that. My my father said, "No, no, I'm going to stay home and watch the fight." And one of his buddies with an Irish last name, someone, Murphy, and I, I was a little surprised my dad hung out with these Irish guys back then in 1960. But on January 22nd, my 1960, my father said, okay, I won't watch the fight, and I will go, and uh, I'll go to the dance at Fordham University. And simultaneously, Marianne Piazza, who was from Brooklyn, uh, her, and, and went to the Fordham campus in Manhattan, her friends, one of whom I think may have even been from St. John's, but I think there was a Ford Thunderbird involved, and they drove up from Brooklyn to the Bronx to the dance, and there was three of them sitting on the bench. It was like right out of the movies from the 50s, well, except this was 1960, January 22nd. There was a taller woman who my father asked to dance with and asked a lot about the medium-sized woman. Then there was a shorter woman who my father asked to dance. Maybe it was the other way around. Maybe he went shorter and then taller, who he asked to dance and found out everything about the middle-sized woman. And then Lou Idala asked Marianne Piazza if she would dance. And as they're dancing, Lou Idala was able to tell Marianne Piazza at the time so many things about her. So you're from Brooklyn, and your father's a lawyer. And your family's originally from Sicily, and uh, actually you're from Bensonhurst. And my mother didn't know, uh, you know, how my dad knew all this stuff. Well, he asked the taller girl and the shorter person, who I know is Enza Vincenzo Vitiello. And um, my parents met 64 years ago tonight, January 22nd. Um, my dad, thank God, did not stay home and watch that fight. Imagine, it's like Back to the Future. Imagine if like he did stay home and watch the fight, and then didn't meet. I wouldn't be here. I'd be like, like what's his name in the picture in Back to the Future? I'd just Marty be McFly. fading away. Marty McFly I'd be fading off the picture. So thank you, Padre Lou, for going to the dance. My mother, thank you for agreeing to dance with my father. And if you look at the subway map, my father lived all the way at the top, the Bure Avenue stop, almost almost the last stop. And my mother lived all the way down at the bottom in the Bensonhurst 18th Avenue stop. But somehow or another, riding those trains back and forth, they made it work. And Arthur Idala, me and my sister Lori, uh, and then everything that came from us are all because of what happened on tonight, 64 years ago. Tune in tomorrow night for the Arthur Idala Power Hour. Happy Monday, everyone. We'll see you on Tuesday. The Arthur Idala Power Hour is sponsored by Idala Bertuna and Cammons, PC. The preceding hour of programming was pre recorded. Portions of the Arthur Idala Power Hour sponsored by Bay Ridge Honda.
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.